You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Blogging Heads TV and Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade. And my guest today, uh, back again, uh, Daniel Bessner. Uh, Daniel, could you introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Daniel Bessner. I am, uh, teach uh, the history of U.S. foreign relations and intellectual history of 20th century America uh, at the University of Washington. Uh, thanks for coming back on. So we uh, taped an episode, um, I think it was a week ago Friday, and, and it posted um, last week about uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And since that episode aired, uh, Jeffrey Epstein is no longer living. Um, he has killed himself, seemingly, or did he? Uh, so we thought we would return to this subject in a brief kind of addendum and <laughs> give our th- thoughts about this wild uh, turn of events. So what um, what did you, I mean, when you first saw that breaking news headline, what did, what did you think? This is honestly one of the wackiest news stories of my lifetime. I, I cannot believe that that this has happened. Um, it's funny, if you ever watch the show Peep Show, one of the characters goes, I, I haven't really been happy because there's been no good news lately. And he doesn't mean like good news, but he means, you know, good news. And so this is like really good news in that sense, in, in that it's going to drive so much uh, commentary and so much discussion. And also, I think it's going to I mean, I can't imagine if you're 18 and you're just becoming online politically and you see this, how you cannot view the system as anything but fundamentally corrupt. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what sort of the generational effects this has. I, I have a feeling that will and, and I don't I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. But it seems like it has to be a defining political moment for for a generation of people in, in their teens and their 20s, seeing the sort of incredible corruption, sort of the most venal thing that could, that is possible in this particular culture at this p- uh, particular moment, uh, pedophile, uh, pedophilia. And it's actually interesting in the comments, people ding me for saying uh, pedophilia instead of aphebophilia. Yeah, that's one uh, of the great all-time, you know, uh, running yeah. internet pedant uh, things is the difference between pedophilia and aphebophilia. Aphebophiles, I think, are attracted to uh, post-pubescent. post-pubescent um, and I'm, I'm not sure what guarantee that Epstein uh, restricted his his rapaciousness to uh, post-pubescent uh, girls, but uh, my guess is, is he, he, he did not. But yes, sure. So I'm just using a pedophile in the common sense way it is used in this in this country, which is for basically statutory rape. Um, so uh, I just I just want to emphasize that. But um, so, yeah, I, I mean, so basically the most venal thing that people are culturally told from the day they were born, which is pedophilia or slash um, uh was done. And then the guy who is basically set to blow up at the very least rich people's spots and probably very uh, powerful politicians' spots. Uh, and I believe one unnamed prime minister was also involved in, in sort of the, the, the Lolita Express, as it's called. Uh, and then the fact that he not only – something happened about a month ago. He tried and failed to kill himself or he was uh, – someone tried and failed to murder him. But then he was appears to be taken off – having been taken off suicide watch and then killed himself. Um, so, uh, it's such an, a moment of corruption from so many different angles. I can't imagine that this won't be a politically important moment that reveals the rot at the core of the system as it currently exists. And per- also, just I'll, I'll end on this, and also the fact 
that it's wrapped up in mass incarceration, you know, and sort of the, the, the awful prison system, the unjust prison system uh, that we have as well, which is, I think, a tangential story. I think that right after uh, news came that he uh, died or was killed himself or was murdered or whatever it may be, we might never know, and that there were some people online who were arguing that to focus on the corruption misses the point of the cruelty of the of the prison system and i think that's a bit misguided but i do think it does highlight as a tangential matter the cruelty of the prison uh the prison system uh as such so uh i'm just wondering when you're going to sign up for dsa and <laughs> when you're going to declare your allegiance to the communist uh the communist party because clearly this system it's like late imperial czarist Russia. This stuff that's happening—it's—it's it's like a Rasputin was killed. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we think we think uh, Epstein is down down for the count for good, unlike Rasputin who came back a couple times. Um, yeah. So but yeah. So yeah. Okay. So I think you know uh, when I first saw the headline when I woke up on Saturday, I th- you know initially it was holy shit, oh my god, I can't believe this, <laughs> and then very quickly. Um, yeah, I looked on Twitter and everyone was just in shock. But then, like, very quickly, like, you know, five, ten minutes maybe, uh, people were making jokes. And, right. <laughs> uh, you know, and memes were coming and there were jokes about, oh, the Clintons actually did do it. And, you know, all the, these kind of things were previewed uh, when the, the first incident, mysterious incident, happened. Um, and then it kind of became, at least online, just kind of another rollicking um, good old time for people cracking jokes and uh, getting retweets. And, you know, there was, if people aren't on Twitter, they missed this weird phenomenon about the 30 to 50 hogs. Uh, right. That was a, a, a silly meme that went viral for about 24 hours. And it, it, I felt like this was, you know, this was just a, a continuation of that spirit where it was just like, you know, people were making uh, dark jokes and silly jokes and all sorts of things. And I thought that the fact, you know, okay, so I think this could, this, this event could be, um, probably compared to, um, Jack Ruby killing Oswald. Um, yes. In terms of like, you know, a, a, uh, seeming errors of police procedure and also like, we're not going to know the, the real truth now. Um, I don't think when, uh, when Ruby shot Oswald, people were cracking jokes 15 minutes later. Uh, that scene is in Mad Men, and you see everyone, be, uh, want, they watch it live, and they're horrified that someone was just murdered before their eyes on television. I don't know if that, that's accurate, but that's how it was portrayed there. And so I think that this this fact that just the, um, we've, I don't know, we've kind of all accepted that everything is like grist for the mill, um, and that like absurd things are continually happening. Like wh- there was shock. Like, I don't know who couldn't have been legitimately shocked when they heard this, but very quickly we're like, okay, how can I turn this into some content for myself? And I, I joined in alongside, I'm sure, uh, cracking, uh, you know, I've cracked some Epstein joke myself. Um, I wrote an essay on medium about two years ago that was called, I think, um, the incredible lightness of Donald. That was about how I felt a weird sort of, psychic peace with the fact that um, an absurd person like Donald Trump uh, was the most powerful person in the country and his absurdity almost made it seem like, you know, nothing really mattered. And I was, I felt a sense of peace with that. I don't know if I, I had to reread it and see if I still agree with this two years later now that additional horrors have happened under, yeah, we talked about that essay actually, under I Trump's think. rule. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think this kind of fits into a, you know, LOL, nothing matters. Um, like, you know, mood that, that the country is in, it does seem kind of like a late, you know, 
late Roman Empire, um, you know, uh, what's the uh, what's the word that uh, Ross Douthat uses all the time? Not degeneracy, but um, we're like, if, yeah, we're just, this is like decline and fall of the Roman Empire, and we just uh, giggle as <laughs> as the situation burns. Um, so so there's that. So I'd like you to react to that if you have any reactions to that. And then there's uh, there's the murder cons- murder or Suicide. Let's take one first because there's a lot there. I think. Okay. And then so- we'll go to murder. Okay. So I think um, I believe Mark Harris right hypernormalization. I think this is this is just another example of hypernormalization where things that were uh, previously absurd are considered to just be normal now. And this is the whole thing. It's easier to imagine the end of the world than to imagine the end of capitalism. Um, so I think this is just the most one of the most salient examples of that, even since Trump's election. And Trump's election is probably the apotheosis of that sort of um, phenomenon where literally the plot of idiocracy becomes true, where a reality TV star who doesn't even have the sort of surface level non sense um, credentials of the other people, the other female people like Bill Clinton, who became who became president, uh, is elected president. So I think it's an element of that. Um, and with regards to the humor, I think it's it, that's interesting because I think that the, the Ruby example is, is instructive in a couple of ways. Ruby example is that more of a monoculture. Right. So that we don't live in a monoculture anymore. And so there's no general reaction to Epstein's death. And in fact, the reaction that people like you and I and people listening to this who are plugged into the media sphere is going to be filtered through Twitter. So Twitter is a public sphere. I don't think it doesn't matter. I think that's uh, misguided uh, when people say Twitter is not the real world. But I think it's just a particular world in a series of worlds. So who's on Twitter? It's basically the information uh, elite of the country, you know, the information elite, the cultural producers, and um, people who are interested in that sphere. It's not even as much so anymore for celebrities. Do you remember when Twitter first came out? It was like Katy Perry and Ashton Kutcher. And I think there's still that element, but I think there's less of that. And there's a variety of different Twitter worlds in the world that we're interested in is sort of this cultural world. So the response to Epstein is also the response to people who dedicate their lives to thinking about these issues. And then if we're thinking about these people over a very particular community at a very particular historical moment, I think we have to talk about the political function of humor. And there's actually been some interesting writing on the political function of humor and particularly uh, th- th- what humor does it, 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 it certain and um, particularly writing an authority uh, humor and authoritarian regimes and I don't think we live in an authoritarian regime and we could talk about that later but what it does in uh, feelings of helplessness is that it essentially serves as an escape valve right so that what, what you're doing by cracking jokes about Epstein is that you're essentially saying that you get it you know, that the the elite who's trying to manipulate you is not able to manipulate you because you're not going to take this as anything for what it is, uh, as anything else than for what it is, which is a, a fact of total elite manipulation. And I think that's the political function of humor, right? It's essentially giving a fuck you to the elite that people are perceiving as trying to manipulate them. Uh, so it's not so much in the humor. It's not like Seinfeld, right, where Seinfeld was trying to be funny for funny's sake. This humor has a political function. It's basically a demystifying function, as I see it. You're trying to demystify the fact that this incredibly mystifying thing happened and no one's going to probably suffer the consequences of it. So there's a political purpose to the humor. So I but, wouldn't... But there's also, there's also a, um, a clout-seeking purpose to the humor in that we're doing it within the system that gets some likes and retweets and if, maybe you'll get some new followers. So it's not that you're, you're not just like in a text message thread with your friends cracking jokes. You're also in the back of your head thinking, oh, maybe this one will go viral. And then what, you know, who knows what happens if your joke goes viral, but everyone wants to do it anyway. 
Right. That's the public sphere aspect of it. And, and so the public sphere, you're, when you're, it's, it's, it's a public thing. So it's, it's the political function of public humor, right? And in the past, you would have maybe gotten cheers because this was only possible in the town square or whatever it may be. Now you're getting likes and retweets and things along those lines. So it's cloud building, but it's always been cloud building and anything other than private conversation. I mean, if you look at Cicero, all those speeches were delivered on the, in the forum, right? right? That, so it's always a form of cloud building. And I think it's just, I agree that the particular form or the particular medium of the message is, uh, is very important, but the message is also important within the medium and we can't lose sight of that. And I think it's a very old tradition of political humor in the, in the face of first radical uncertainty and then second feelings of powerlessness. I think the Epstein thing really shows that you felt powerless or power up or people feel powerless where the Ruby thing, people were aghast because this guy seemed to have subverted American institutions. No one believes in institutions anymore. Right. That's, that's what this demonstrates. No one believes that this will result in anything. So it's a profound reflection of decline or imperial decline. Now, the problem is, we can't get into this now, unlike the Roman Empire, the United States could t- still annihilate the world with nuclear bombs. <laughs> so that's, you could have t- cultural decadence and with the Roman military. Decadent, decadence up- is the word I was searching for earlier that Ross Douthat likes to use about our cultural era. Yeah, but the problem is you were going to have cultural decadence with, with total military dominance, which mm-hmm. has never before happened in world history. So that's a pretty messed up situation. <laughs> um, okay, so the other – so in addition to uh, you know everyone cracking jokes in the five minutes, the other thing that surprised me in the reaction to aftermath of Epstein's death was how many people, including responsible prominent people, were uh, speculating conspiracy theory. Um, now, you know, it's, it's well, you know, like we live in an era of conspiracy theories, um, some of them true, some of them false. Um, and there's actually, uh, doubt that has a, himself has a good column today about, you know, why we shouldn't dismiss conspiracy theories and they often contain an element of truth. You know, there was a conspiracy theory, uh, 25 years ago about the Catholic church and a powerful cabal of priests, um, protecting abusers. And, uh, that turned out to be basically true. Um, uh, on the other hand, um, my, my basic uh, view of, most conspiracy conspiracy theories is, um, you know, it's a lot more likely to be incompetence that caused a disaster or something than a you know well orchestrated insider plan, um, and so the, the the most likely thing to me seems to be like, okay, this prison is poorly run, even though it's it, I guess it's one of the most important prisons in the country, the federal lockup in Manhattan, and you know it wouldn't surprise me if the whoever was assigned to guard uh, Epstein. Uh, in the, you know, like midnight to 8 a.m. shift, uh, fell asleep or something along those lines. So that seems more likely to me than the assassin <laughs> understanding. But, but yeah, I've just seen lots of, you know, I think Iglesias was one of them. I think possibly Nate Silver was one of them. Uh, just not, you know, saying like, you know, uh, so this, this could have been a hit. Uh, this could have been a murder. So, I mean, well, what do you think of that? And also, are you entertaining conspiracy theories? Or are you uh, buying the, uh, I mean, the narrative right now? I think I don't think this is requires conspiratorial thinking. I think people are murdered and raped in prison all the time 
Uh, and so it wouldn't be surprising that another person was murdered in prison. I, I don't think that's particularly conspiratorial. Uh, the Kennedy assassination thing is conspiratorial because it requires transnational organization amongst various elements of the, whether it's the CIA or the Department of Defense or the Cuban government or the local Dallas gangsters. That's conspiratorial. Mm-hmm. This is a conspiratorial. People are murdered and assassinated in prisons literally all the time. So I don't think it actually requires that much of a conspira- conspiracy thinking. The conspiracy is the Lolita Express uh, more than anything else, and that's the, the conspiracy to, 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 to conspire to rape young women. Um, I think that is a conspiratorial element, and that has been proven true. The murder, to me, doesn't be uh, – the, 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 the supposed murder, to me, doesn't seem to be that conspiratorial, or the fact that someone paid off a guard to allow Epstein to kill himself or whatever it may be. I mean, I, I would be – Absolutely shocked if there wasn't some sort of foul play, however that may define, uh, however that may be defined, whether it's bribing a guard to go away for eight hours or whether it's paying someone to go in and murder Epstein and make sure the job is done. To, I, I don't see how that doesn't seem to be particularly conspiratorial given what we know about what happens in American prisons. Well, I mean, if you, if, if, if some outside person or organization pays someone who's already in there to, you know, to either kill Epstein or turn their back as he, you know, kills himself or whatever, then that, um, that seems like a conspiracy to me. If it doesn't take that many people to make a conspiracy, maybe it's just three or something. Um, but that happens in prison, right? Gangs constantly pay people to be killed in prison. Right. But, you know, was, was this Is that a conspiracy? I mean, I don't think that, not really. Well, I, I, people, I guess it, it comes down to semantics of people organizing as a group. I mean, if, you know, uh, I think as we mentioned in the previous episode, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, pedophiles or accused pedophiles are often targeted for harsh treatment in uh, jail by other uh, inmates. But, you know, Epstein was segregated um, and was seemingly by, uh, had a cell to himself. I mean, I, you know, what I said, I re-listened to the part where we discussed this last night. What I said was like, you know, they should be treating him like a, a mafia king um, in prison, not like a common criminal. And they, uh, they didn't take my advice because I, I, I assume like John Gotti wasn't allowed to, um, you know, be uh unsupervised for some length of time when he when he was uh awaiting trial um do you think we're going to find out the truth of what happened or do you think this is going to be another america great great american mystery um uh, it's so difficult to know it would rely on some sort of leak so someone someone's someone's got a got a leak i mean the, the the Epstein thing is just so crazy when you read into it, like all the connections between these various spheres of life. Uh, I, I don't think we'll find something out, but I also didn't think Trump was going to be elected president. So what do I know? I mean, I think we do live in these hyper normalized times. I think that is the defining characteristic of this era. And I think clearly something is crumbling. Uh, what's I think it's, it's a famous is it Marx or Gramsci? I think it's Marx. Uh, the new world is collapsing as a, uh, the old world is collapsing as a new one struggles to be born. Yeah, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's the moment we live in, uh, which is I think particularly jarring for people of our generation who grew up in the '90s when we were told history had ended. So we went from like this one moment of history had ended to like everything is collapsing. So I think that's going to be an interesting uh, as a historian. I think looking back on that as we get older and approach death. <laughs> It'll be interesting to look uh, to to look back and see how that that sort of really radical 180 degree turn, right? We we went from the end of history to Trump, 
that's got to do something to a, the, the politics of a generation. I think in a, a way much more significant than the baby boom generation, which had the largest, the, the longest periods of stability in American history. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that also going forward. To me, that's what's most compelling is the political, the sort of medium to long term political ramifications of the obvious corruption of the system on people who are basically under 40 who will soon be seizing the reins of state once the boomers die and retire. That to me is really interesting. This is going. I think this is going to be a defining political moment for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I in, in a way this like this does seem like a huge moment. And on the other hand, you know, we live in this uh, era in which every seventy two hours there's a world defining moment. And you know, if we listed every single one from the past two and a half years, we'd be like, oh, I didn't even remember that one happened. Um, I, I've never said that. I've never said. I, I think there's been a lot of there's been a lot of overplaying that hand. Um, and I think that that liberals are freaked out about Trump and they want to turn everything into uh, something that it's not. Um, and so I think that uh, I'm, I'm down here recording. Uh, so I think that's uh, sorry. That's okay. So I, I'm in the pit. So I, I think that that there's been a lot of overplaying of sort of like this is so egregious. I think a lot of the things were, were laid by Obama. Um, I think Trump has been mostly the same in a lot of regards with sort of more, more vulgar, more vulgarity and more cruelty. Not in every regard. He's been worse in some significant ways. Um, but I think this sort of, um, note of Epstein and this total corruption that surrounds him and the total absurdity of him trying to kill himself last month and then being murdered right now and the whole possibly, possibly being murdered or possibly just committing suicide. It is hard to fake a hanging as far as I understand. And like the medical examiner, you know, will release something about well, like, I think you could tell the difference between, you know, if like the uh, hand strangled someone or if, if a uh, bed sheet or something. I mean, look at Acosta. I mean, like the whole thing is wrapped in this sort of powerful people leaning on the justice system to get what they want. Um, and I, if you remember what Acosta, this is what, this is what's going to fuel conspiracy theories. Acosta said, reported to the Trump transition team that he was told to leave Epstein alone because he was uh, involved with intelligence, right? And I don't think, I think the Chapo guys were talking about this. I don't think it's absurd to say that perhaps money was, um, flown, uh, was, was laundered through Epstein's hedge funds. I mean, to me, that is that the U.S. government has done things like that repeatedly in the past, going back a hundred years. Um, so it wouldn't be shocking, um, and it would in fact have quite a bit of historical precedent to do things like that. And so I think this is where Epstein was really tied into all of these various elements of the state uh, and, cor- and corporations and transnational money laundering and then pedophilia, pedophilia. So I think the perfect storm – and then he's murdered or, or allegedly murdered or commits suicide in, in prison. It's it, uh, of a different qualitative character than basically everything that's happened since Trump has been elected. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll have to see. We'll wait two months and see what happens because there's going to be a new outrage because it's Trump. Something new is going to happen, and and we'll have to see if um, if this fades or not. So there was there was a piece that uh, did you see the piece that was in the Times yesterday by a guy who had interviewed um, Epstein on background. Yeah. Uh, so that was an interesting piece. We'll link to it. Um, and there's no like huge juicy nuggets or anything, but the, there are a couple of interesting things. One was um, there was a photo of Mohammed bin Salman on Epstein's wall, uh, MBS, uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, and, uh, another, what's that? Tom Friedman's buddy. Right. Friend, you know, friend to all. 
uh, friends of the free press. And uh, another interesting thing was that uh, Epstein asked this reporter for the Times if he might want to um, uh, collaborate with him to uh, write Epstein's memoir. And can you imagine if you were guilty of, like, somewhere between hundreds and thousands of crimes and then asking a New York Times reporter to co-write your memoir? Like, what? That's just, <laughs> you know, uh, like, I don't even know what to say about that. It's it's totally fucking insane. Um, Have you watched Succession? I've, I watched the first season. I haven't seen the... Uh, the yeah. So, is it, it's Succession. Yet. We live in the world of Succession. Like, literally, this is what's happening. Like the rich and powerful are just doing what they want and we're all clucking in the background. It's, it's late or hope it might not even be late. It's just imperial. It's just imperial. You know, maybe it's 1788, <laughs> but maybe it's 1640. Mm-hmm. You know, like who knows? Maybe there's quite a bit left of this. Um, I don't know. This is, we live in really bizarre times, especially to me. What's so interesting is how cool how quickly we live in bizarre times. That's the most interesting thing to me. The nineties was not bizarre. You know, it was, it was, uh, there was some dark undercurrents of American life coming to the fore in places like Waco, Ruby Ridge, the Oklahoma city bombings, things like that. But what is happening now is I just think of a different scale and of a higher, more powerful scale, frankly, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And the other, the other little interesting tidbit in this article was that, um, Epstein invited the journalist to come have dinner at his house, and he said, um, Steve Bannon and Michael Wolf, who was the, would go on to write Fire and Fury, uh, would be there. And the author says he has no idea to know if this was, uh, if this event ever would have actually happened or not. Um, but, you know, um, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of connections to Trump still to come out, uh, from this. And the joke on the right was that, you know, uh, uh the Clintons killed, Cold Epstein. And then, you know, you can't, I, I can't really imagine like the Trump organization being like effective enough to organize a murder of Epstein like this. And really, I mean, the Clintons weren't super effective either. But, um, yeah, I don't know. A, a, a lot of shit like, okay, Gislon or whoever you say her first name, Maxwell is still out there. Probably no one knows where she is or will say that they know where she is. And she, see, she seems like she, she knows everything that Epstein knew. Like she was really the major domo and procurer of of girls. Um, so she seems like she has to be charged in, in, in the wake of this and hopefully will be better protected in, in prison than, um, than Epstein was. Maybe they, if they make that mistake again. Um, so, Aria, just, so you really just think a guard fell asleep to me. If we're, if we're doing, if we're doing, what's the thing, the, the Occam's razor, mm-hmm. it is not the guard falling asleep. <laughs> well, okay. I, I think, it's more likely that the guard would be paid to like um, yes, clock out, exactly. clock out for a couple hours. Yeah, um, that seems possible possible to me. But then, like, okay, then was the guard? Did the guard leave in order for Epstein to be permitted to kill himself? Or like, sure, maybe. I mean, that's like, that we... that seems within the realm sure. of possibility. But then, like, okay, but then, like, okay, opening the door to his cell and like someone else comes in. Kills him. No one else notices. The guy leaves again. Where did you know? Is this guy a prisoner? Is he a guard? Goering, right? You know Herman Goering, how he died. I don't uh, actually. So Herman Goering was the third Nazi in charge. Uh, was convicted. Was set to hang on October sixteenth, my birthday. Um, in in uh, after being convicted in the Nuremberg trials, uh, and then he killed himself because a guard slipped him poison. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think, and that was 
at the end of World War II in a military prison. Uh, I mean, so these things happen actually regularly throughout history. So that is not shocking to me. I think like if if the deep history of these things happen repeatedly, things like that. And so I I would, I would, if someone put a gun to my head and said foul play or not, I would say foul play and I would save them back then. Yeah. I I think I would say not foul play again. Like, like I, it's not worth getting into now. There's there was something in the deep history of blogging heads where people on the outside thought there was like this conspiracy going on. I was on the inside and I just saw that it was a series of understandable screw ups by various people not doing the correct thing. From the outside, it looked you know like a hidden hand was was dictating events. From the inside, it was just like oh yeah, he fucked up there, then I fucked up here, then that person fucked up there. I think that that is a lot more likely given human nature than. The, the well-organized conspiracy. Yes, I think 99 t- out of 100 times, it is not a conspiracy. Um, one, I, again, I don't think this is conspiratorial, what I'm saying. But I think it, this might be the one time where there is uh, a cabal of powerful people <laughs> manipulating the world to their own rapacious ends. <laughs> that also happens throughout history, you know, repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Okay. <laughs> It's so absurd. This is a postmodern crap. I mean, this is like as postmodern as it gets. The subtext is text. You know, again, uh, I was listening to the, the Chapo the other day, the one that was right after Epstein tried to kill himself. And they're like, this is crazy. And then two weeks later, he succeeds in killing himself or a month later, whatever it is. I mean, we're laughing because it's so obviously um, corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, uh, it, it, I think I said this on the show before, but, you know, there's a, um, the well-known quote about history, you know, history repeating twice first as tragedy, then as farce. Like, we're in the farce period, for sure. And I think that's part of why everything kind of seems absurd in a joke. I mean, is there a more farcical figure on Earth than, than Donald J. Trump? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, okay, we, we, we want to keep this one short. Let's keep this under half an hour. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, no, just re- read read Marx. I think that was in his Le Pou- uh, uh, Louis Napoleon. The Brumaire, essay. yeah, the Brumaire of the yeah. Brumaire of Louis Napoleon. Brumaire of Louis Napoleon, yeah. He, and the first Napoleon was the tragedy, and the second one was the farce. Right. I think that that pretty much wraps up where we are now. A good place to end. Okay, thank you, Daniel. Uh, thank you to our viewers and listeners. Hope, I mean, will there be a, another edition of the Epstein Chronicles with Daniel and Arya? We'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Um, but- See what happens to Ghislaine. Yeah, yeah, God protect her. Um, okay. <laughs> do you know what, okay, lastly, do you know what happened to her father? I only found this out like yesterday. Her father died. No, what happened? Her father died in mysterious circumstances. He fell off a yacht. <laughs> like in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. It all comes full circle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it was, it, there's still questions about whether he was, uh, whether he was killed or accident or suicide or what. Um, Okay, so on that happy note, uh, thanks again, Daniel. Thanks to our viewers and listeners. We'll see you again next time. Bye. Before you go, a quick message from the suits at Blogging Heads TV. Blogging Heads will always be free for you to watch and listen to, and we don't even go the NPR route of guilting you into donating during Pledge Week. But we do have a small request. If you enjoy Blogging Heads programming, rate and review us on iTunes. The iTunes algorithm weighs positive reviews heavily, so taking a few minutes to rate and review us will help more people find out about our shows. Also, of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Thank you.